This is your wake-up call. Charlemagne the God. The realest show on the planet. This is why I respect this show because this is a voice to society. Changing the game. You guys are the, the coveted morning show, but y'all earn that. Impacting the culture. They wake up in the morning and they, they want to hear that breakfast club. The world's most dangerous morning show. Be in the mother. Be in the- Angela Yee's getting her face beat. Charlemagne the guy. Peace to the planet. It's Friday. Yes, it's Friday. The weekend is here. That's right. And Avengers is out. God damn it. Avengers Infinity War. Drop on the clues bombs for Avengers Infinity War. And you think it's going to be bigger than Big Black Panther? Stop asking me stupid questions. I don't see. That's because you're not a Marvel Comics fan. Right. What you don't realize is Avengers Infinity War is the culmination to 12 to 13 years of Marvel movies. Black Panther was just another movie in a long line of Marvel movies that led up to this story. There's no but. There's a lot of people that don't care about Marvel movies that just went to go support Black Panther because they were black or minority. Sir. Like, yeah, did you see Black Panther? Yes. I I, I seen Black Panther. Are you going to see Avengers? No. Me neither. Are you going to... Now, you're Puerto Rican, though, but, right? Did you see Black Panther? Uh, no. We need a Puerto Rican superhero. The problem, with, the, pro- the problem with you Negroes will always be that y'all think nothing exists or nothing's popping until y'all get involved. No. This movie is going to gross well over two, $2 billion. Well, I, I know say. enough to know that's going to be a huge movie. I know Duh. it's going to be huge. I know enough to know be, that. Um, you think it's going to be bigger than Black Panther? Yes. Yeah. Every yeah. other Avengers has already been bigger than Black Panther. Okay? White, white guy in the room. Jesus Did you see Black Christ. Panther? You know he didn't. Did you see Black Panther? Oh, okay. <laughs> no, my goodness. Marvel, Marvel, you know Marvel has like four to five movies that have done over a billion dollars. Two of them are the other Avengers movies. And one is Iron Man 3. And then it's Black Panther. And, oh, and Captain America went to Soldier. So, yes, shut up. Like, let, let, let us Marvel fans have this. Place. All right. Enjoy. Have fun. Enjoy. Are you going to wear a costume to go see it today? Mm, no, I'm not going to see it today because I have to uh, have an uh, uh, event at a school this afternoon. But I will be going to see it tomorrow. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, you enjoy. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Being to work on time is mad overrated, B. You know what? It's kind of funny. I, I got here. I was like, Charlamagne here? He was like, yeah, he was actually here early, which it's, was surprising. It's mad <laughs> overrated. Like, I you know, said, we need to... Really? really? We it's really Friday. Should, we should just start the show at 6.05. 6.05 <laughs> no. is a nice time. Then you start time. coming at 6.10. <laughs> you come at 6.10. 6.05 is a nice time to start the show. You man. know what the worst is if you are actually staying somewhere that's closer to work, like when there's been situations where the weather was about to be bad, it's snowstorm, and they put us in a hotel right across the street mm-hmm. so we don't miss work, and then you really end up being late because you think you have extra time, and then you push it to the limit. Let's just start off with a gospel song to start the show in the morning, you know what I'm saying, get everybody's spirits right, and then 6 or 5, we start the ratchetness. That's mm, what I think we should do. No, we got to be here on time. Okay. And this morning... Uh, Mike Brown's mom will be joining us. Leslie. Leslie McFadden. McFadden. Yes. She'll be joining us. Also, Jason Pollock. They have a new, uh, is it a documentary? Yes, yes it's a, a documentary, documentary about Stranger Fruit. Mm-hmm. What happened in Ferguson with Mike Brown. And also, uh, comedian Kamal Bell will be joining us. W. Kamal Bell. His mm-hmm. uh, new show, well, not his new show, but season three of his show, United Shades of America, starts this Sunday. W. Kamal Bell. That's yes. right. Butchered that man's name this morning. I said Kamal Bell. He added the W. Great show. Well, that's his name. Uh, w. Uh, Kamal uh, Bell. Uh, uh, 
Great show, great book he has. Mm-hmm. I read his book uh, about a year ago. All right. Well, All let's, right. Let's get the show cracking. Front page news, what we're talking about. Bill Cosby, the verdict is in, and we'll tell you all about it. All oh, right. Bill Cosby, I'll just die on y'all right now. You just can't die on yes, site. Okay. You just can't, like, die. After, <gasps> after Grim Reaper, check, please. Hey, Grim Reaper, could you bring the check? No, I'm ready to go. All right. Front page news is next at the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, hey, everybody. It's DJ NV, hey, hey, Angela hey. E, Charlemagne the God. We are the Breakfast Club. Let's get in some front page news. Start off with sports. The Bucks beat the Celtics last night, 97-86, forcing a game seven. The Raptors play the Wizards, Cavs play the Pacers, and Utah play the Thunder. I, now I can't believe that the series is 3-3 with the Milwaukee and uh, the Celtics and the Bucks. Wow, because Celtics have so many players out? Yeah. yeah now they still hold it on. And our last night was the NFL draft. The Browns had the first pick. They picked up a quarterback, and the Giants had a second pick. We picked up a running back. Yeah, Shaquan Barkley, y'all got. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Now let's talk about Bill Cosby. Well, Bill Cosby has been found guilty on all three counts of aggravated indecent assault. That was for uh, drugging and molesting Andrea Constant in 2004 at his home. He uh, is facing a maximum of 10 years in prison for each one of those charges. A.K.A. life for Bill Cosby. Now here is Lily Bernard, one of the victims. It became evident to me that the justice system is light years behind modern culture. But today, this jury has shown what the Me Too movement has saying is that women are worthy of being believed. It is not just a victory for the 62 of us publicly known Cosby survivors whom Gloria Allred has helped give a voice. It is also a victory for womanhood, and it is a victory for all sexual assault survivors. I've been saying for three years that Bill Cosby should just die. I mean, yo, just ask the Grim Reaper for the check, please. All right, it's time right, to clock out. Another one of his accusers made this statement. Janice Baker Kinney is her name, and she said, I'm overwhelmed with joy, relief, and gratitude. Joy that finally justice has been served. Relief that the years of this toxic chain of silence has been broken, and we can now move forward with our heads held high as survivors and not victims. What is Bill Cosby sticking around for, man? This is when this is, this is sometimes you got to die just in the nick of time. I mean, you're right, but I got a couple of questions. Like, one, is there an appeal? Because the first one was deadlocked, so this is the second one. Can he appeal at, or is it just it's over? It's a wrap. And I, second, I have no idea. Do you still support the Cosby Show? What you mean? Do I still support the Cosby Show? Do you still show? watch yes, it? I would still watch the Cosby Show because we don't we don't mess with R. Kelly because R. Kelly's a pedophile, but the Cosby because R. Kelly is R. Kelly. Bill Cosby is the story of Heathcliff Huxtable. That show and his should family. have been called the Huxtable okay. Show, by the way. <laughs> All right, uh, the, the story is about Heathcliff Huxtable and his fictional family. Yes, I will still watch the Heathcliff Huxtable shows, Show. Positive black yeah. families yes, on television. I, yes, I will still watch Different Worlds. Yes, I will still watch Fat Albert and the Gang. Absolutely. Hmm. Only Jello pudding pops because they're too high in sugar, and I don't think he advertises those anymore, anymore anyway. But that's doesn't matter. Yes, I'm going to still watch the Cosby show. Okay. All right, and there was heartbreaking video making the rounds yesterday of former NFL back, defensive back Desmond Merrill. He was grabbed by the police and slammed to the ground. I know you guys had to have seen this. No, I didn't because people were sending it to me. I'm like, yo, stop sending me stuff like this, okay? I'm, I, 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 I'm already triggered by all the other police brutality that I see in this country. I don't well, need to see it. He posted what? it himself as well with the whole description of what happened. And here's some of what went down. I'm not even fighting back. I'm not even doing nothing, man. What's going on, man? Oh. I didn't even. It's unbelievable, man. I didn't even do nothing to y'all, man. It's unbelievable. I didn't even do nothing to you, man. You stab your ass in the head. 
Lay down. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Yeah, they threw him on his face. Yeah, Why do you and, it, and it looked like he went limp. Well, clearly he posted the video for it to go viral so that people could see we it. We know, and, and though. And hey, listen, I'm not knocking him for that. I'm just saying what I, I'm not watching, okay? I, 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 I'm not doing it. I'm not doing that to myself. He said that over. officers tried to say he had a gun, and they don't show what happened before they attacked him and, and had him on the ground where he couldn't breathe, and it looks like he passed out at one point. He said, uh, officers said he had a gun in his pocket, but it was only a cell phone. He said the police knocked his teeth out, slammed him on his head, and choked him until he was unconscious. He, he also suffered a shoulder, and a, a shoulder strain and a concussion. And he said it was terrifying. That he was is, fully cooperating so with the officers. Zero resistance. He said he thought he was going to die. I'm just not a glutton for pun punishment, man. I can't just continue to put stuff like that in my spirit. I just like, can't do it. Like, something has to happen. Like, this this can't continue to go on. I mean, the way they threw him on his face, like they said, it was, it was two, three officers there at the time. And one of them was choking him. I'm, I'm looking at it like this is so disrespectful. I, I just can't imagine that's my son or my dad or me. You you, you want five minutes with every cop alone. Like, like ah! And you know, and exactly. And th that feeling you have right there is exactly why I don't watch those videos because I don't have the answers. Well, you it's important to, in order to be able to discuss the story to see what the story is because how would you even by, know what oh happened if you didn't watch it? But see, this is what you don't realize, Angelia. Maybe you do, but you're not acknowledging it. This is the same story over and over. All the time. Well, because he posted it himself and wanted people to see it, I watched it. What happened to everybody that, that this happens to that doesn't tape it? You know what, what I mean? What happened to Stephen Clark? What, like, when, you, when you talk to people like <sighs> Leslie, when you talk to people like Leslie McSpadden, Mike man. Brown's mom, and she talks about how people move on too fast. They I just hashtagging justice for Mike Brown. Now they they move on to something else. Like it happens I all can't. the time, over and over. I can't be a glutton for punishment. But it's important goodness. to not get numb to those things and to still continue to speak out about it. All right, guys, that's front page news. Get it off your chest, 800-585-1051. If you're upset, you need to vent, hit us up right now. Or maybe you want to spread some positivity on this Friday. You can tell us why you're blessed as well as The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Get it, pick up the mother, mother phone and dial. This is your time to get it off your chest, whether you're mad or blessed. Say it with your chest. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. So you better have the same energy. Yeah. Hello, who's this? Hey, yo, this Brandon from the Metro, man. What's up, bro? 803, what's happening? 803 all day. Now, look, man, this, I'm mad because it's like, I'm tired of constantly seeing these black people get abused by the cops. But what bothers me about it, to me as a black person, I just feel like, not to say that the, some of the rallies and the marches and protests and stuff are fake when some of this stuff happens, I just feel like the same fervor that our people attacked it with in 1965, I don't think that same fervor is out on some of these streets that people are protesting and marching on in 2015. People too quick to make things a hashtag. This stuff can't keep happening. People can't be getting shot. And then we move on two weeks later and then like Angelique said, become kind of become numb to it. We can't, I mean, we gotta, we gotta keep attacking it, but it just, it has to be real to me. It has to be consistent. It has to be forever. There's nothing that can ever stop us. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna be honest with you, man. There's nothing that makes me feel more helpless than when I see encounters with the police because you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like, damned if, if, you if do, a regular civilian if you runs man. up on me like that, you can defend yourself any way you see fit. You can't do that with police. Not at so all. What, what the hell are we supposed to do? I don't know. Hello, who's this? Queen God, D-A-N-B, this Fred from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, checking in. What's, your, what's happening? Oh, it looks like it was cracking in Milwaukee last night. He good don't morning, know. good morning, my breakfast club family. Don't know. How y'all doing? He, he has no idea. He hear Greek freak. He think you talking about a porno. I'm yeah, over here looking at Reggie Brown from V100 in Milwaukee, and he's he's got a lot of pictures of everybody was out there last night. What's up, bro? Get it off your chest, man. 
Well, I got three points, maybe four to hit on real quick. I want to say welcome back, Yeezy. The Thank fellas, you. they did all right, but the queen always got to come back home to get everybody back in formation. That's one. All Number right. two, what I want to say is it is very expensive being a single person out here. I run through a lot of dope being single. And Brother Envy, yes, I would sir. like you to congratulate me, brother, because I did get some poom poom last weekend. I had Woo! to pay for it, but I got some. Oh, was it a real person or was, was it a doll? Definitely yes, a rope. Definitely a, a doll. Yeah, it was a young lady. I had to pay for it. Young lady? How old is young? Uh, what age? She was, she was 27. Oh, okay. you paid for it? I'm, what's the price of Poom Poom in Milwaukee I, I had, nowadays? I had to pay, I had to pay $100. So I didn't want you to, but I had. You paid her? Well, you get what you paid. You get what you paid for, man. So call me when you uh, start getting that herpes medication. Was okay? it worth it? Uh, but, well, you know, at this stage of the game, Miss E, yeah, you got to make it happen somehow. My great grandma, Clyde, always told me, "Baby, sometimes you got to pay to play." Oh I didn't understand gosh. what she talked about back then. I thought she was had Alzheimer's. Let me tell you something. I, I can guarantee you, your grandma charged more than a hundred dollars. Okay? Oh, stop it. Well, you had that red light on back in the day, Gashala. And my next thing, I want you to have a blessed weekend. But I want to also say. Never forget, F all these cracker-ass crackers forever. Don't ever forget that. <laughs> all right. By cracker-ass crackers, he means racist bigots, okay? Hello, who's this? <laughs> uh, my name is Farrell. Hey, Farrell, get it off your chest. Um, I just want to speak about how Bradley Beach police out here, you know, the, mostly the team is all white, and um, I went through a situation like that before, and about three of them actually tried to go in real bad on me because I'm a big brother. I was able to stand up and hold my own. But they turned their dogs loose and actually Ooh. beat me up pretty bad. So, wow. you know, I actually hold on to it as one of you guys are saying, I let it go because I couldn't harbor too much of that. I had to just move on with my life. Mm -hmm. You know, after the incident, I had to go to the emergency room and get a, 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 a lot of stitches. And there's no one to speak up for us. There's, I didn't videotape it. Nobody videotaped it. Nobody was around. I took the L and kept it moving. Wow. So wow. just nothing ever happened. They're just still out here being cops. Sorry for you, bro. Brutalizing exactly. our people. All right, brother. Exactly. But educate people, you know. You, you just follow along, take their orders. But still, even though you follow along, take their orders because of who they are, they still want to go along and push the issue that, and still do what they want to do. That's what I'm saying, man. It makes you... It makes you feel so helpless because our, our natural instincts is self-preservation. But when you're in those situations with the police officers, you don't know what to do. Like, you can't fight back. You no, can't you defend can't. yourself with it. You're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. Hit us up now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Wake up, wake up. Wake your ass this is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're mad or blessed, we want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. Hello, who's this? This is Sue from Miami. What's up, bro? Get it off your chest. I want to feel blessed this morning. I want to give a shout-out to uh, my beautiful wife. She started a hair business about a year ago, and she booming. Booming. Business is okay. booming. Congratulations to her. What's yeah, her name? You can check out the page, Jazzy, next time you're going on vacation. It's underscore here by Rich. All right, brother. Hello, who's this? This is Rick from Brooklyn. Yeah, What's so up, I want bro? to talk about the situation just now about the NFL the ground. Mm -hmm. Um, and Charlamagne commented that he didn't have to see it. Uh, Charlamagne, last couple of days I've actually been getting through to you guys, and I, I wanted to really talk to Charlamagne about the influence that he has as a person on the radio. You guys have the number one hip hop for a radio show in the morning, and people listen to you. And uh, when you say you don't want to see it, and you're not a grunt for punishment. And I mean, it's kind of demoralizing because it, it makes you feel like you're sticking your head in the sand. You're, you're, you're jaded and you're detached from what's going on. Envy said he got that feeling in his chest, like, okay, he want to shoot the fear one with every cop. That's the feeling that you need to make a change. 
So you saying that? Oh, um, shut up, man! I already feel, I already feel that way, brother. I don't need to see another video. I feel that way already. That's my point. What makes you think that feeling is gonna go away? I'm a black man in America, sir. I go to therapy for that kind of anxiety. Not everybody can afford therapy. I'm glad you said that. Not everybody can afford therapy. Like, you know, be going to every Friday to the therapist to you know, talk about that issue. We're dealing with it every day. So when you say stuff like that, you sound like your friend J.D. Kanye, who is taking up to this office somewhere. Making oh, God. Everything is Kanye baby, now. At the time. You got to stay in the tent. It's not happening to you every day anymore. So you don't got to stay Can I ask you a question? Let me ask you a question, sir. Go ahead, Charlamagne. If you know a stove is hot, how many times you got to put your hand on that stove to know it's hot? Every, every time. For the <laughs> All right, man. Have a blessed day. Have a good morning. Have a good morning, sir. All right. Have a good morning. Hello, who's this? What's good, brother? This is JB from Charleston, man. All right. JB843, what's happening? What's good, brother? Hey, I got a question, man. It's a Kanye situation, man. Like, uh, what he said, though, like, he, he had a point, though. Like, why can't somebody have their own opinion and that and that be it? You know, you, why you got to, like, downgrade somebody? And talk down on a man for, for what he think. Well, you know, freedom of speech, freedom of thought, freedom of expression works both ways. You can have your opinion, but I can also tell you that your opinion is stupid. Yeah, yeah, I feel you on that, but, like, I just feel like so many people talking down on a man. If a man think like that, let him think like that. I mean, we can't stop him from thinking however he wants to think, but you can also express that you are opposed to how he thinks. And we can have our opinions that. exactly. Well, why not? You know, we don't have to agree. We could agree Especially people who have been so affected by things that Donald Trump have done and policies that he's put into place. They feel strongly about it. They want to express how much they disagree. Yeah, I feel that. But, you know, like, some people, they just don't agree. Like, what he say? I don't agree 100% with everybody say. I'm the same way. I don't know nobody who uh, agrees 100%. Yeah, but, me too. but if your family got deported or your father or your child and, and it's all because of the policies Donald Trump has put into place, you probably more strongly disagree. And that's why, that is why a lot of people don't like to express their opinion because they're afraid of, of people disagreeing with them. That's why I don't trust people who tell me everything I want to hear. Those politically correct people are trash. Man, you know what? Like, I feel like it's more black people that f*** with Trump. They just scared to express their opinion. You know what I mean? That's why I like Kanye. I'm not saying I'm a Trump. Oh, I'm going to say, well, that's definitely Kanye. not my opinion. I don't know if there's a... Yeah, if there's yeah I don't know about that one. Black people that support Trump. <laughs> I don't think there's else. a lot of black people that support Trump. I mean, there is some black people that support Trump, but nah, I wouldn't say a lot. All right, get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. Nayib, we got rumors on the way? Yes, and Khalees has said some things about Nas, her ex-husband, that uh, we've never heard before. So I'll give you the details of what she says happened in her relationship. All right, we'll get into all that when we come back. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the God. We are The Breakfast Club. Yo, happy Friday. Happy Friday. Let's get to the rumors. Let's talk Khalees. It's about time. What's going on? Yo, yo, yo. Rumor report. Rumor report. This is The Rumor Report. Talk to him. With Angela Yee on The Breakfast Club. So Khalees did an interview with Hollywood Unlocked, and she had a lot of things to say about her ex-husband, Nas. Now, they got married in 2003, and their divorce was finalized in 2010. And she said in their relationship, because when they got together, she was only 22 years old, there were a lot of highs and lows. Here's what she said. We had, like, really intense highs and really intense lows. Mm -hmm. An intense high would be, like, money was rolling in. We were, like, we were young, too. Like, I was 22 when I met him. I was a baby. So, like, we... We were drinking too much, smoking too much. We were spending too much. I mean, we were, and like we were, we lived hard, you know? And so because of that, like when 
that comes down, it goes really low. <laughs> like, so it's hard, you know, because there's no balance. There's no, like, normalcy. All right, she goes on to say that uh, she put up with a lot of behavior that was unacceptable. What was that unacceptable behavior? Well, listen here. I didn't file for divorce because he cheated. He, he'd been cheating for two years, and I knew that. Mm. It was because on top of all the other stuff, then you're going to cheat. It was really toxic, and, and I was pregnant. You know, at seven months pregnant, I was terrified. I was like, I cannot bring a person into this. This is a freaking mess. Mm. Like, this is a mess, and Wait. I can't control this. I got to get out. So you left while you were pregnant? Yeah. I filed for divorce in April, um, and Knight was born in July. So what's the mess? What made it toxic? Well, uh, she goes on to talk about when they were drinking, how they would physically fight. Did he hit me? Mm-hmm. Did I hit him back? Mm-hmm. It was because... There, he would black out. He would drink too much. He drank way too much. Mm -hmm. He will never admit it. And so a lot of the stuff he may not remember. You know, there have been times when, like, literally we would have the worst night ever, like, and we would wake up the next day. It's like it never happened. Was he ever remorseful? He bought gifts. So I guess what she's saying is on top of the cheating, it was all of these things as well. And uh, she also discusses how... She didn't say anything about it, and when she saw the pictures of Rihanna, how it struck a chord in her. Something reminded me of Rihanna. The only way I can describe it was like double dutch. Like, I felt like, do I jump in? Like, do I say it? Because I had bruises all over my body at that time. Mm. Seeing her, the way she looked, and then looking at myself, I was embarrassed. For me, it was kind of like, you're going to just let this go? You're not going to say anything? We were married. We weren't dating. I didn't say anything because... I wanted things to work and because I was delusional and because I thought that, like, I could, like, love past this. Yikes. Hmm. Well, that was Kalisa on Hollywood Unlocked. So check out the whole interview if you want to hear everything she had to say. As radio personalities, we don't have to have an opinion on that, right? No. Yeah. I mean, because there's it's three sides to every story. Absolutely. All right, now Sierra is discussing future and saying that he just is a no-show for visits about 37% of the time with Young Future, and she also says that when he does uh, spend time, usually Future ends up being with the grandmother or great-grandmother instead of with his dad, and that she really gets to FaceTime with her son when he's gone. And he also has health issues that are even worse because he's been traveling cross-country, so she doesn't think uh, that it's a good idea the way they have their travel schedule right now and that he's constantly exhausted due to the travel and has had emotional breakdowns while at school. So what Sierra wants to do is go to mediation and hammer out a better schedule because her son is having all these health issues and he's traveling too much. So I don't get the point of the story. What, what was that about? Well, she's uh, these documents are from her going to court and saying that she's taking Future to court and these are the issues that she's having with Future raising their son. To I don't see a problem with that. Oh, because Future's not spending enough time with yeah. the son. Okay, well, I gotta remember well, at one point she was keeping the son from you. Well, yeah, one's in, a, when, one's when in he, Atlanta, he's in Seattle, sort of flying back and forth. He's saying that her son can't take it. And she's saying, oh, and she's gotcha, saying gotcha. it's not future anyway. He's coming to see the grandma, so let's do another schedule, you know? Like gotcha. she's thinking that my son's going to spend time with his dad, but he's actually not there, and the grandmother's taking care of him. Got you. Okay. All right, I'm Angela Yee, and that is your Rumor Report. All right, thank you, Miss Yee. Now, when we come back, we have Leslie McSpadden joining us. That's Mike Brown's mom and Jason Pollock. Now, they have a new documentary and it's all about what happened 
that night and that day and leading up to it and leading up after it and hap- just listen. And it gives you more of a viewpoint of who Mike Brown was because I know they tried to paint him as some bad kid right. that was a quote-unquote thug. I could only watch like 15 minutes of that documentary because it, it, it that hurts. stuff gives you trauma. It's it a good, does. It's a good article on Huffington Post about how watching those police videos and stuff gives you trauma. I can't, I can't watch that. I had stuff. to stop it in 15 minutes. Like, I can't take this. Mm-mm. Anyways, Breakfast Club, good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlemagne the God. We are the Breakfast Club. We got some special guests in the building: Leslie McSpadden, which is Mike Brown's mom, and director Jason Pollock. Now, this documentary made me tear. I couldn't watch the whole thing last night. Wow, it was it was that that strong. Just I don't, I don't even think I got twenty minutes in. Now you know, Envy uh, expressed how difficult it is for us to even watch this story. How difficult it is to keep telling this story. It's very difficult. It's difficult to relive this story every day that Ferguson will not hold these people accountable for what, they, what they've what they done and what they continue to do. So it's very difficult. I think you have to, though. And, and I know it's hard because there's so many facts and so many things that we didn't know. You know, all we heard was, you know, Mike Brown charged the police and the police shot. But just seeing the detail and so, so many witnesses, and, and I still can't understand how how they, I want to say, got off because it was so many people that said, I seen this, I seen his hands up, the cop ran past me, the cop shot him, they kept like, you know, even I got the two, cop not two young boys right and never having even submitted a Correct. statement. Correct, yeah. yeah, and they didn't write a police report mm-hmm. until they were forced to, and then they produced a document that was basically blank. It's a blank incident report. However, during the fake alleged robbery, and Mike didn't even rob the store, now mm-hmm. we know that, but during that, the police report is a full page. So they were able to think of all these words to write for the, the fake robbery to right. frame that. But then when they kill him in the middle of the street, it's a blank page. They kept changing the evidence too, right? They did. They changed the evidence a lot. And I'm going to break some news right now. So you talk about the charge. What has been totally unreported is that there is physical evidence at the scene that Michael didn't charge. What Bob McCullough Mayonnaise is trying to do is use use fake witness testimony that isn't really reliable to prove that. But the physical evidence defeats witness testimony in the court of law, I thought. So here it is. There's an audio tape of the shooting. It's 6.3 seconds from the first bullet to the last bullet. So we know that the whole event was 6.3 seconds. Mm. There's blood behind Michael's body on the street. In the report. This is all like New York Times. You can look all this up. Right. 21 feet and 7 inches. So, for the first time, we're going to do this math together. 21 feet and 7 inches. 6.3 seconds. Means he moved forward at 1 mile per hour, approximately. Mm. That's it. He didn't charge him. That's Darren's entire argument that he had to kill him because he was being charged at. Michael didn't charge Darren. He moved approximately one mile an hour, and the physical evidence showed it, and it was completely covered up. Even if you're being charged at 21 feet away, that's a long way away. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't seem like you're not in immediate danger. Right, but he only moved forward that in 6.3 seconds. If you charge 21 feet, you could get there in probably about a half a second. And that's after being shot one time. Think right? about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. after being shot five times. times. After being shot five times. Yeah, like, he was stumbling forward, dying. He was falling forward, and he got shot in the top of the head. he wasn't standing. He was on his knees at that point, and he was falling forward with a broken clavicle bone. And he shot my son in the top of the head, and it came out his eye. He was never scared for his life, Darren Wilson. He ran after my son. He pursued him. He was shooting like a cowboy between two apartment buildings that hold over 100 people, including children. Mm -hmm. Ride their bikes. They didn't even count all the bullets. 
they did a very poor job of investigating. But but why? You know, because I'm I'm watching it, and you know, there was two young boys, there was two young men out there that day. Why your son over the other kid? You know, what 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 was his why? Why my son boy? at all? All this training that they they're claiming to have, and that um, <laughs> he said kicked in. We saw none of that. It always pissed me off because they put out that corner store video, the surveillance from the store, and acted like he robbed the store as, as if that warranted him being gunned down in the middle of the street. Yes. But in addition to all of that, what was important about watching this documentary is seeing all the great things that he was doing and seeing what he was doing in school and hearing from his family because Mm -hmm. sometimes they try to make somebody just seem like a monster. They did. And the way the press did that and the media and the police officers, what they put out, made it seem like he was a scary kid, he was a bad kid, he was doing bad things. But then you get to see what he was really doing in real life, and that's important. That's what I'm saying. How did that make y'all feel like when when they were trying to paint him like that? I knew the truth. Mm-hmm. And I still know the truth to this day. And that's where my book came into play, to share who my son was over those 18 years and not and to give you all a different perspective from this 18-second clip that they showed, which had another video attached to it that no one had ever seen until Jason put the video out. I had a meeting with the governor, and he told me he tried to stop them from showing the video. Why? This is the governor. These were his words to me. He said that if there was video when he was 18, he wouldn't be governor. Meaning to say that at 18 years of age, you're still a kid. Your mind thinks in a different way. And that people do things and they make mistakes that later on in life you regret or you feel sorry about. And you say, when I was young and dumb, I did X, Y, Z. So that was his purpose for saying it because him himself did not feel that what happened on Canfield should have happened. What happened to all the witnesses? Because there was, I mean, there was three <laughs> witnesses that, that y'all talked about. Then there was the construction There were five workers. witnesses in the film. So what, what happened? Like, Yeah, so basically uh, Bob Mayo, Mayo uh, uh, covered up all those witnesses. And the prosecutor of St. Louis County very carefully took all the witnesses that were in line with Michael and he picked them apart and figured out a way to use the physical evidence at the scene to say... Your version of events doesn't match up with the physical evidence, so we can't use it. Thirteen witnesses agreed with Dorian in the street. He threw them all out. Anyone that agreed with Darren's, he cherry-picked pieces of theirs, even though parts of theirs also were against the physical evidence. Three people. Three right. people, one being Darren himself. Right. One being a witness who completely lied. It's just a cover-up. never there. It's just a huge, massive cover-up that they needed to perpetrate on America in 2014 because they need to keep Mike Brown's name down because they don't want to say that everything that happened after Mike Brown is valuable. They want to say, oh, it started because of a thug. It started because of a robber, all this stuff. Look at them all in the street. They're so silly. Mm. No, Mike Brown was an angel, and he was a great guy, and he had just graduated high school. And all of that was a lie, and it's still a lie to this day. That's why it's so important that we uncover justice for Michael Brown, mm-hmm. because that was the first hashtag in 2014, before Ferguson, before all the other hashtags. But we lost justice for Michael Brown. Mm-hmm. And the Ferguson report came out, and the justice for Michael Brown report came out, and everyone talked about the Ferguson report. And no one talked about Mike anymore. And that's when we started making this movie, because I realized down there that there were all these films going on, but nobody was working on the Mike Brown case anymore. All right, we have more with Leslie McSpadden and Jason Pollock. When we come back, don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We have Jason Pollock, director of Strange Fruit, and also 
Mike Brown's mom, Leslie McSpadden, in the building. Yee. So, Jason, what's your personal connection that made you want to get involved in telling the story? I had been working in schools that the education community calls dropout factories prior to Ferguson for three years. Dropout factories are a school with a 50 to 60 percent dropout rate. There are tons of these in America. Mm-hmm. And so I was working with all these kids in these credit catch-up rooms, which is in the film. Mm-hmm. And they were the best kids. If you're in a dropout factory and you drop out, but then you go back to try to graduate high school, you're a rock star. You have so much thick skin. Some complex stuff happened to you. So I found out Mike was in that room and he was he had just graduated. And then I saw the picture that they were painting of him. And I just knew it was a lie because I had been working with for years with all these students. Like if you're in that room, there's no way you're robbing stores at night. There's no way you're doing any of that. There's no way you would charge a cop after you are shot. There's no way you would go for a cop's gun. None of it made any sense. And all of it is a lie. Like to go back to the convenience store tape. They didn't show us the full tape. There was a whole tape the night before of Mike making what seemed to be a trade with the store and then going back the next day to get his cigarellos. And we put that out last year for the first time. They covered that tape up for three years. They willingly gave us the CDs from the store, the people in the store. It was never part of any of um, the evidence. They never turned it over to St. Louis County, Ferguson, any of the lawyers. They just gave us personally the CD. Say, here, here you go. What the owner of the store say about that day? Mm-hmm. Or did he? Uh, the store's never called. The store never called 911. The 911 call was made from a woman in the store who didn't know what she was seeing. Mm-hmm. To this day, the store has never called 911 on Michael Brown. No. Nope. Because they know, in my opinion, they know what it was. And to this day, they still don't want to just admit what it was. Yes. It's interesting how you said uh, everybody kind of like moved on, but I, I wonder about that. Is it because. Other other things happen, like other police shootings and you absolutely. Know, the, like it's, it's it's like every day it's a new right. hashtag. Yeah, Freddie Gray, yeah. Walter Scott. I mean, it, it, it's intense. But if we don't, what I want to do with this is show that if we don't actually unravel these cases, right. if we just keep going to the streets and then losing and then going to the streets and losing, like it takes four, it took me four years to unravel this case. That's what it takes to do these cases. But we need someone assigned to each of these hashtags now. So that we turn justice because cops need to know that if they shoot and kill us, that they're going to go to jail. And right now, yeah. they know they're not going to go to jail. Yeah, yeah. As soon as you said that, I was like, they don't they, know. They, they, That's they right. Know. They don't know at all. In fact, they know that the system is going to protect them at all costs. How did that change, though? Because we get justice for one. Mm-hmm. We get justice for Mike. We show that Darren is a criminal. And America starts realizing, oh, mm-hmm. shit, these guys are criminals. So what can happen now, if anything? Legally. There is a lot of new evidence in he the film. He was never charged. Mm-hmm. First, we need to get him charged. We I, need thought, to get I thought his case got dismissed. I thought they like they wrote it off as like... They declined to indict him. Yeah. Correct. That's That was the first thing from Bob mm-hmm. McCullough. The second was they wouldn't bring him up on any charges because he said the whole thing about the physical evidence. We hired so many people to come out in that were specialists and professionals. And this is what the film is showing you, that they did a lousy lazy job of investigating because they were never going to indict him, persecute, prosecute him at all. It wasn't even a thought of them, you know, in their mind. So hopefully we can get a reopen. Is he still an officer now? No. No. What happens to this bitch? Like, what, what happens to people like that? Do they go in like a witness protection? He's room? living, he's living 25 minutes away right now. No. Having, yes, having f-ing barbecues. And imagine what that's like. To be the mother of your son, oh, knowing that the killer of your child is having barbecues 25 minutes away from you every day. And she has to walk, drive by that store and drive down Canfield. I mean, the pain that she is going through, I cannot imagine. 
and she bears this for all of us. She doesn't have to be here today. This is this is hard for her to discuss this. She's here for us so that we can try to help the world understand what happened. How do you how do you feel about I don't even want to say his name, but Darren Wilson. Mm. I know people tell me all the time I have to forgive so that I can move forward, but this isn't someone that was a part of my life or that I loved and cared about. You know, Talk so about it. I don't have to forgive him. Forgiveness is overrated. I say that all the time. I'm perfectly fine saying somebody. Thank you. And, Leslie, uh, how hard is it for you to live there still? And even for the witnesses that came forward, because I'm sure the police department gives, I know they, they're known to give people a hard time. You know, I've never lived in Ferguson. Where I was staying was about three minutes away from the scene of what happened. I recently moved, and when I recently moved, I found out that he was 25 minutes away from me. Mm. I've been very disturbed since finding that out. I will rise above this, and I'm going to look them in the face every day if I'm elected to city council. And I'm going to run. And when I get back home, that's the first thing on my agenda. And that's the only way I'm dealing with it, in a spiritual way. And I'm letting God be my God. I lean into him more every day. I've been given so many false promises by men, you know, people here and there saying, I'm going to get justice, and we see what has happened. A lot of those people have walked away from their position since then. I ended up with a old, white, 72-year-old judge because two black judges in St. Louis recused themselves from the case. Mm. I've you been a really hard, given a really hard time, you know, and... um. But God brought me to it, and he's going to bring me through it. I've been strong mm-hmm. up until this point. I've been a strong person my whole life. Why did so, they recuse themselves from the case? They scared of the white man? Why did they? Mm. You know, they asked me to be on a panel with these very same women in May of last year. And I think they were a little nervous about what I may say to them because they wanted my remarks before I entered the panel. Wow. So I declined mm. it. I declined it. I'm sorry. And um, I don't know why they did that because we speak education in black households very strongly for reasons like this, for when times like this happen, that we can be there for one another. I mean, that's the whole point, I thought. I thought the whole point was Absolutely. having people that look like us Absolutely. represent us in those courtrooms, and the fact that when we have that opportunity, they don't they don't want to stand up. Like, they didn't. What's, what's scared. The scared they, they scared to uh, upset their massa. Mm-hmm. So they left. What are, you, what are your plans for uh, Ferguson if you do make the city council? I just want to show them how it looks to be completely affected and you nothing happens afterwards mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that mental illness is a it's real when something like this happens to you and why does he get all the protection and we get absolutely nothing right. mm-hmm. my lawyers walked in out with the best presentation and they came back and they offered us money and at that point being down to our third strike and not winning anything in the beginning knowing that we will walk into this courtroom and look at the same jurors that decided not to indict, they wanted to take the settlement. So with that settlement, I'm going back and fighting again. And I just want to show them what change should look like for a community who has been shook into the core and you all didn't come back and try to even put a Band-Aid on it. And you might as well get the money. I mean, the money, like you said, it enables you to continue to fight. It does. legal stuff costs. Yes. And to we had some of the counsel. best lawyers. Let me just say something about the money, though. These settlement fees, I think I call them lynching fees because that's all it is. There's yeah. no price you can put on these lives. It doesn't mm-hmm. change a damn thing. Right. And this is just the state paying off families for state-sanctioned murder because there's no justice. They're lynching fees. 
All right, we have more with Mike Brown's mom, Leslie McSpadden, and Jason Pollock, the directors who don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the God. We are The Breakfast Club. We have Jason Pollock, director in the building. Also, Leslie McSpadden, which is Mike Brown's mom. Charlamagne? So, Jason, what's your background? So, I, I started uh, my career working for Michael Moore. Mm-hmm. I made Fahrenheit 9-11 with uh, him. Salute to Michael Moore. Um, I founded the, the Traverse City Film Festival with him. Also, just shout out to Zilla Valentine for hooking this up. I really love Zilla. It. Yeah. Um, and uh, I've been in the industry since 2003. So, you know, it's like there's no such thing as overnight success, right? I've been doing this for 16 years. Um, I, I left Michael in 2006. I directed a first doc- my first feature documentary. is called The Youngest Candidate. It's about teenagers that run for office in America. Mm-hmm. I profiled non-white men running for office in the age of Obama and used that as a tool to get the youth vote out with Rock the Vote in 2007, 2008 in the rise of Obama. And then throughout uh, his career, I was working in schools, like I was saying, and I run a creative agency, uh, helped celebrities with their digital media strategies and all that stuff, and was, was developing my next documentaries when Ferguson happened. Um, and I basically had all these clients. I was so mad. And I felt very uh, alone as a white man being uh, mad. Nobody uh, around me even got it. And I was like, are you kidding me? This is like the defining moment of our generation right now. What do they say when you bring it up? I've lost a lot of friends from this. From, from, from really? Well, yeah, yeah, my, uh, not friends, like acquaint- white acquaintances. Like I make them all feel very uncomfortable now. They don't want to hear me talk the way I talk now. But like I don't have any time for that. Sh- and we have a lot of work to do over here. So basically I put my stuff in storage. I moved to Ferguson. I didn't know what I was going to do. As a white man, I was not going there with a Christopher Columbus-type attitude on the white horse to save the day. I was quiet. I was an ally. I was part of the community. I was helping and listening. And about eight months in, I realized, you know what? No one's doing anything about the Mike Brown case. And I can take that lane, and, and, and people won't feel like I'm taking up space or competing with something else, basically. So I put together this pr- uh, proposal for the family, mm-hmm. and I, I pitched it to Leslie. And she signed on in May of 2015. She gave me the rights to, to produce the, the movie. Now, you seem very, you seem very you genuine to, and sincere. Was it hard for you to accept <laughs> yeah, Jason, Leslie, at first when he came to you? Because I'm sure it's hard to trust people, especially you had a lot of people coming at you with different things. Like, who was this colonizer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. I get it. <laughs> um, you know, Jason was one of the only person to actually come to me with paperwork and a full layout of what he wanted to do and how he wanted to help there's a lot of people out here who have done things and they do not have my permission. They they didn't and they don't. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate Jason for what he has done. I was meeting Beyonce. Mm-hmm. You was in the video. You was in the video. It was wonderful. I couldn't take it all in at the moment because mm-hmm. I was still very vulnerable and kind of broken all over the place. But um, she's a great person. She comes to you just like a sister or like you've been knowing her for a long time. And um. So was Jay-Z, Swiss Beats, Alicia Keys, and all the other people who have come to show me some love and shed some light and let me know that I can do this and, you know, they're there to support me. Mm-hmm. Yes. We look forward to supporting you. You know, anything you need, when, when it's time to run, you come back up here and Absolutely. we'll help you as much we as we gotta can. We got to get Stranger Fruit to number one on iTunes. All right. And we for for Mike well. Brown, for it's the family. Right now? I, I, donated, okay. I donated most of the profits to the family already. Mm-hmm. So if the film goes super viral... 
It will help the family and bring justice to Michael Brown. That is the vehicle of Stranger Fruit. We want more people, as many people as possible to see it. Yeah, yes. I want to watch it. I ain't going to fry. I just get so f***ing mad when I watch them. The first man. 20 minutes, I can't watch it. It's, it's too emotional. It's, the it's whole thing is bad, but we need to know what happened. We need to know. Because it's not isolated incidents no more. You know, you right. see Stephen Clark. Like, it's always That's, something. It's, so it's always like, the same model, too. Yeah. Like, this film shows you the whole model of how they do it, and it's the same thing every single time. Oh, I do want to ask you, though, uh, Jason, like, how can more white people use their privilege to combat prejudice yeah. in America? Don't just say, oh, I know what white privilege is. Oh, oh, I'm so f woke. You're not woke. You're mm -hmm. woke if you go out and you work hard in the community with your hands and your brain and your mind. And you shut up and you listen and you assist the people that know what they're doing. And you're not woke just because you know what the word white privilege is. You have to use your white privilege to break down white supremacy in an aggressive way. And I'm trying to do that every second of the day right now, and I'm trying to lead by example because you know what? I'm like .00001% of the society right now. And that's why I'm so, I'm so upset about what Kanye West is doing because Kanye West is allowing little white teenagers who don't know shit, who are calling each other the N-word in high school, to think that's okay because Kanye likes Donald Trump. And we're out here trying to say no. That's not right. And I see Michael Brown and Justice for Michael Brown directly connected to the ignorance that's happening right now. Because all those little white kids with their Yeezys on, they think that Michael robbed the store and he charged Darren right now. And they're running around saying that. So we have a lot of work to do. Mm -hmm. White people need to wake up. I think the biggest problem in this country is not Republican racism. It's Democratic racism. Mm, break it's it down. white progressive racism that's hurting us the most. I, I respect Republicans being like, I'm racist. I have a problem with Democrats looking me in the eye and saying I'm not racist and then going and living their lives in an incredibly racist way. And if we don't fix that Donald Trump is going to win again in 2020. That's the conundrum because some people are looking at what conservatives are doing and they're like, well, at least they're being honest, but that don't mean you should go side with them. Mm. That's you right. You know what I'm yeah. saying? You shouldn't go side with That's them. That's right. Because they're being honest about racism. No, but I, ex I respect honesty I wish the Democrats were more honest. If Democrats were more honest and said, you know what? We have a racism problem. Black community, we're sorry about that. We have a racism problem. We want to figure this out. That's honesty. We could build with that. Mm -hmm. That's not happening right now. We got the DNC running around like they think they know what they're doing. They have no idea what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't consider myself a Democrat after 2016. Me neither. I'm, a, I'm registered. But I'll tell you, I'm a, I'm a, I'll vote for a piece of grass over Donald Trump right, right. now. And we need to make sure that that happens. So anyone no, saying... No, I don't want a piece of grass right Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> listen. You never know. It's listen, listen. This guy is so dangerous to our culture. I work with a lot of undocumented students. Right. He announced no DACA on Easter. And all of my Hispanic students were crying in church. Mm. And then Kanye West wears a Trump hat. So don't tell me that like we're, we're okay right now. Because when you look at the pain that he is inflicting in the human way on our society, no, no, there's no accepting that. And I, I, I would vote for a cloud over Donald Trump right now. Wow. <laughs> and Leslie, and part of what you're doing will be the solution, running for city council and being a representative for people that have gone through maybe things you've gone through or have family members that have or friends that have, because we need that type of representation, somebody who really cares yes, about their own community that wants to make changes. That'll be me. We appreciate oh, yeah. you guys for joining us. You got our support. When, Absolutely. You, when, when, the, when the running happens, you call, you call, you come by, we will support you. And you as well, Jason. We also, we're, we're out on that. Stars June 18th. Yeah. Oh, the documentary? Yeah, television okay, okay. premiere. So we'd love to come back, give you an update. We're going to be running the movement from come then. Up.
And uh, love, to, love to give you It's always to interesting to hear stuff like this because I always think about that Martin Luther King Jr. quote in Injustice Anywhere, the threat to justice everywhere. I don't, but I don't feel, I don't feel like people really embrace that. At least white Americans. Correct, yeah. correct. They don't feel it. But you know what? A cop could kill me too and get away with it. Cops don't kill white people, but they could. The laws are the same. Until white people feel threatened by it, they're not going to wake up. They don't even realize what cops are doing to the black community right now. So we need to understand, like, you know what? If you're white, they could kill you too. Guess what? We live in a police state right now. Right. Mm-hmm. Don't be so far you know? removed that you feel like it doesn't affect you until That's it right. does. That's right. That's yeah. right. And don't wait. Don't wait until it knocks on your door. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, there you have Jason Pollock, Miss Leslie McSpadden. We appreciate you guys for joining us. Thank you so much. And check out Stranger Fruit. What does it come out one more time? It's out right now on iTunes, Amazon, VOD nationwide. Please download, rent it right now. Profits go to the Brown family if we go super viral. And then we have our television premiere on Stars June 18th. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us. We appreciate you. Thank you. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Good morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Let's get to the rumors. Let's talk Cardi B. It's time. She's spilling the tea. This is The Rumor Report with Angela Yee on The Breakfast Club. Well, Cardi B's former manager is suing her, that's Shaft, uh, and that's because he says that basically he got shafted. He says that his contacts and personal team of writers are and producers are responsible for Bodak Yellow and that that's how she got that hit song that allowed her to get her major record deal and her publishing deal that's worth millions of dollars. And he also says that she's been defaming him by telling her fiancé Offset and others that he robbed her blind. He said Offset sent him a text message in December that said, you better stop playing, acting like you don't know you taking her ish from her. You a snake. You can't hide from me and you're not about to play my wife. <sighs> well, salute to our guy Shaft, man. All kinds of drama. So he's suing her now for $10 million. Now, in response, she's saying that she had every right to drop him because he was taking all kinds of cash from her behind her back. And she first confronted him on Super Bowl weekend. And she said that he would basically cook the books to make it look like she was getting less money than she was actually making. And then he would keep the difference. So, for instance, if she got paid $100,000, he would tell her she was making 50000 and then take the balance. In addition... He got 20% of her manager's fee, which is way more than is what than what's normal. I mean, I hate to see that happen between our people. You know, people come Horrible. up together, yep. and then things change. Right. Clearly. So, I mean, I guess we'll see how this whole thing plays out. I'm not sure what their contract with each other is like or what the legalities of the situation is. But it is a sad situation because he has been with her for so long. And then, for her, a trust situation is difficult to have to deal with. Well, I want to salute Shaft for all the times that we booked Cardi B, and uh, he gave us reasonable numbers, okay? <laughs> the CIAA parties in oh, Charlotte yeah. and whatnot. All right. That wasn't Cardi did two of them for us. But we didn't book her. She wasn't. Was she promoting her? She did it for free. Yeah. Oh, yeah. she did? Okay. She did? Uh-oh. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. All right, John Legend versus Kanye West. Now, Kanye West ran ahead and posted some text messages between himself and John Legend. And we, t- we discussed how John Legend was just tweeting and seemed like he was talking about Kanye and his tweets. Well, he uh, went ahead and hit up 
Kanye and said, hey, it's John Legend. I hope you'll reconsider aligning yourself with Trump. You're way too powerful and influential to endorse who he is and what he stands for. As you know, what you say really means something to your fans. They are loyal to you and respect your opinion. So many people who love you feel so betrayed right now because they know the harm that Trump's policies cause, especially to people of color. Don't let this be part of your legacy. You're the greatest artist of our generation. John Legend is absolutely right. And Kanye responded, I love you, John, and I appreciate your thoughts. You bringing up my fans and my legacy is a tactic based on fear used to manipulate my free thought. John should have replied back, but did you read the text that I sent you, though? And uh, Kanye said, I tweeted the John text to show that there are people around me that disagree with me and voice their opinion. I respect everyone's opinion, but I stand my ground. If you feel something, don't let peer pressure manipulate you. And, uh, you know, he responded... And well, John Legend basically said, since you're posting text messages, let me add that I have a new single out. And there you have it. Do you think that Kanye is just rebelling for the sake of rebelling? Like he's the type I, I don't person. Know. He's the type of person. If you tell him not to do something, he, he goes harder it. at it. I don't it's know. almost like his superpower is his weakness. All right. Well, John Legend. Actually, I saw him yesterday. He did lip service, and that podcast is coming out today. And since it was happening right then, I spoke to him about it. And here's what he has to say about Kanye and his impact. Yeah, and it's not, it wasn't about like trying to make him feel bad. I just Mm -hmm. wanted him to think about what he's saying and what it means to people. And like words, I mean, he's talking about free thought and free thinking a lot. That's fine for him to think whatever he wants to think. But every time he makes an utterance and he publishes it, it has impact. Mm -hmm. And politicians, when they do things, it has impact. And when you align yourself with them, it doesn't mean you're endorsing every single thing they stand for, but you're endorsing their agenda, essentially. All right. He also uh, talks more about Kanye just basically uh, having to realize the impact on the average person. Sometimes we have the luxury to be insulated Mm -hmm. from that, from the consequences of what politicians do. When politicians do bad things that affect a lot of ordinary people, they don't affect us. Uh, Well, (laughs) 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 they don't don't affect us in the same way. We don't feel that pain. And so we, we have more luxury to just kind of uh, align ourselves with whoever, but right. uh, other people, they feel the consequences of that, and um, it's not a game. And let's just skip to the last one on whether or not he thinks this whole thing with Kanye is a gimmick. He's always also sold himself as authentic to everybody, and like, that when he said things that you might have disagreed with, you always believed he was saying it because he really felt it. Right. And if this is a gimmick, which, based on his text, I don't know if it is a gimmick. He, right. Like, he seems like, like, he just feels this way right now, <laughs> but if it is a gimmick, it's not good for him because, like, part of what he's always said to us, he was being real. If he really believes this, then I just hope he'll think about it some more and reconsider. But if he doesn't believe it, then it's not a good look. John is absolutely right, but I, I don't think it's a gimmick because why would Kanye need a gimmick to sell records? He, he doesn't need he a gimmick. He just said he doesn't think it's a gimmick. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I see people saying that though, like, this is just a gimmick for Ye to sell records. No, I don't like, think it's a gimmick. Yeah. You've been selling so sneakers you gotta ask for the a whole goddamn year. You gotta ask the question. So mm-hmm. he doesn't think it's a gimmick. He thinks he really. Believes it. Yeah, and he was saying he would have voted for Trump since late 2016, right before he had his uh his mental breakdown or whatever. Right? All right, well, I'm Angela Yee, and that is your rumor report. And I'm gonna do a Kanye mix this morning at 9 a.m. A pre-sunken place Kanye mix. Why don't you wait until the interview drop? Then we can. Know. He still wants to do an old. Mix. Oh, you, what, what interview? Nothing. Go ahead. When's your interview drop? I don't know. You just said, why don't you wait? Well, you tell me what day to wait. I'm in, I'm in the sunken place. Leave me alone. I don't hear anything over here. All right. Well, who are you giving that donkey to, sunken place, Charlemagne? He can't oh, hear you. He's in the sunken place. <laughs> <laughs> why you got your mouth open? You got your mouth open, your eyes closed, oh, and you can't hear me. Now I can't. Oh, now you can hear me. <laughs> <laughs> 
donkey today is going to uh, a young man named Tony Tutuni. I think is that how you pronounce his name. Listen, I've heard some some very frivolous lawsuits in my day, but this one, uh, this one takes the cake. He needs to come to the front of the congregation. We like to have a word with him. All right, we'll get into that when we come back. Keep it locked. This is Breakfast Club. Good morning. Just don't be a donkey, because right now you want some real donkey. It's time for donkey of the day. So if you ever feel I need to be a donkey, man, hit me with the heat. Did she get donkey in the day? Please tell me. Absolutely. I have become donkey of the day. Breakfast Club, bitches. You're a donkey. Yes, donkey of the day for Friday, April 27th goes to Tony Tutoni. Did I pronounce that right? Tony, I don't know. No, Tony Tutuni. There you go. <laughs> Tony Tutuni. Now, according to TMZ, Tony is someone who proclaims himself Instagram famous. I never heard of him. Have y'all? No. Uh, he has 1.5 million <clears throat> followers on Instagram. Mm. Mm. <sighs> now, I don't know what that translate to, translates to in terms of dollars, but... Tony clearly has money for frivolous lawsuits because uh, Tony has a dog named Hef. When I say dog, I don't mean a homeboy. I mean an actual domesticated carnivorous mammal, okay, a dog, all right, with four legs and a cute sense of smell and a barking, howling, or whining voice, okay? Man's best friend. You know what I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. A dog. Mm-hmm. Quick daddy dog joke for the room. Uh, what kind of dog does Dracula have? Anybody want to? Yes. Hmm. I have no idea. I don't know. Bloodhound. Oh, bl- there you go, Bloodhound. Shut up, Dad. Anyway, uh, now Hef was doing a photo shoot with a bikini model named Diana Munira. Let the record show. From what I can see, Diana is a very attractive young lady with a banging body. Now she is five six. This is very important to note because Hef the dog, when he stands up on two legs, is five feet tall. The reason height is a factor in this story is because Tony is suing Diana. Now the reason he's suing Diana is because Tony says Diana sexually assaulted his dog Hef. You heard me right. Tony is suing Deanna because he claims Deanna sexually assaulted his dog. Before we continue, <laughs> let me break up this disturbing news with another quick daddy dog joke for the room. What breed of dog loves to take a bath? Anybody want to guess? A bath dog? No. <laughs> I don't know. A shampoodle. Shut up, Dad. <laughs> Now, according to the lawsuit oh, uh, that's available to see on TMZ, Tony uh, <laughs> filed a lawsuit against Deanna, and Tony says Deanna began sensually playing with Hef, with Hef arousing Hef by playing with his genitals and oh, masturbating the dog. That's disgusting. Let's keep in mind Hef is a dog, okay? Word on the street is that uh, Hef keeps the best time, too. So you know what that makes Hef? What? A watchdog. <laughs> Shut up, Dad. <laughs> that was kind of funny. I like that one. That was funny. Now, if you watch the video, <sighs> Hef the dog is totally with it, okay? He even mounts her and thrusts her and even appears to place his front legs on Deanna's ass. Now, the problem is Tony told Deanna and the photographer he did not want the footage on the internet, and they agreed, but the video and photos showed up on Instagram a couple days later. This is crazy to see because she's 5'6", like I told y'all, and the dog, when it stands up on its legs, is 5 feet tall, so they damn near eye to eye, and this story is really making me ask the question what kind of dog can jump as high as a tall building oh my god Um. any kind because buildings can't jump (laughs) shut up dad that was corny now tony also reposted the video which makes no sense because you're suing someone for posting a video you don't want out there and the caption he posted is i can't believe this thirsty girl used my dog to gain followers Tony is suing Deanna for fraud and infliction of emotional distress, and he's suing her for over 
$1.5 million in damages. He wants his uh, m- money to match his followers, clearly. Uh, we just need to throw America in rice. Okay, America just has too much privilege and too much freedom. Who has the time, the money, the energy to sue a woman for sexually harassing their dog? And what happens when Hef the dog has to take the stand in a court of law? Huh? Will Hef swear to tell the whole roof and nothing but the wolf? Huh? Oh my God. Shut up, Dad. <laughs> Some donkey of the days just sell themselves. Please give Tony Tutini the biggest hee-haw. Oh, no, matter of fact, give him some sweet sounds in the Hamiltons. Oh, now you are the donkey of the day. You are the donkey of the day. Your jokes suck, bro. Can Dad get one more off? Let me get one no. more. No. This, this is only going to take a few seconds, oh okay? God. A father and his six-year-old son are walking down the street, and they come across two dogs having sex, all right? The boy is shocked by what he sees, and he asks his father, Daddy, what are they doing? The father, not wanting to lie to his son, says, They're just making a puppy. Okay, says the son. The father is relieved that he doesn't probe further. The next day, the son bursts into his parents' room and sees them having sex. The father jumps up and quickly covers himself, knowing he's in for an interesting talk. He walks downstairs with his little boy, and as they sit at the dining room table, his son asks him, Danny, what were you and Mommy doing? Again, wanting to be honest with his son, Daddy says me and Mommy were making a baby. His son pauses for a moment, and then he replies, Flip Mommy over. I want a puppy. Shut up, Dad. That one wasn't good. A little too long. Is it? it that was a little too long. Too long to get to the point. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny, but you could have just all right, I'm gonna slowed it down a little more. <laughs> okay. You said right. slowed it down. Yeah. All right. All right. Thank you, my dog. Oh my god. <laughs> I like that. I like Shut that. Up, Dad. I like that. I like that. <laughs> all right. <laughs> up next, we have Kamal Bell joining us. So we'll keep the comedian. Bell. W Kamal Bell. You know what the W back. stands for? No. Woof. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness, this is a Friday. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Good morning, everybody. It's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We have Kamal Bell in the building. W, w Kamal Bell. <laughs> oh, let me say Walter W. Oh, Kamal yeah. Bell. Yeah. I thought it was Kamal. Kamal, like Kamal, a, Kamal, Kamal, like a pal. No I'm Kamal. glad we. I'm glad we did this part on the radio. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just to let people know, I'm not that famous. What? How do you pronounce your name? Yeah, yeah. Mr. Bell. Uh, yeah, thank you. you. Yeah. Yeah. Emmy, Emmy, Emmy winning, Emmy Mr. Award Bell. Award winning. Congrats yeah. on that, yeah, thank too, man. You, thank you very much. That was big because it was one of those. It wasn't like televised, but then I saw you like. Was it television? No, it was like it was on FX. So you know, it's like that's kind of television, but it's not the prime <laughs> that's time. Television. It's not the prime time Emmys with the real famous people. Like you know, but I saw you. Hold, I saw the announcement. I was like, oh, that's dope. Yeah, no, it was, I never expected to win an Emmy. So you know, I, I'm ready to quit. It was good. Yeah, right? yeah, no, yeah, it was big. I didn't. I never thought in my career the weird path my career has taken. I didn't think it ended up with me accepting an Emmy award from LL Cool J. That's not something I put and in my dream journal. That's your first one. So. It's my first one, yeah. So you yeah, got we'll some see. more to come, right? We'll see. I, I, you know, one is fine, but I'll take more if they hand them to <laughs> me. It's very interesting because the show United Shades of America is not a comedy show at all. I mean, it's humor, <laughs> it's humor in it when you're watching. Some people would say I'm not a comedian at all, so that's how it goes. But yeah, yeah I'm just, you know, it's it's. I like things that educate you, are interesting, are compelling, and funny at the same time. I think right. that the reason why people like it is because it's it's on a CNN as a journalist, as a news network, 
but it's you're getting you're getting information without the same tone that news brings. I find it interesting that you hid your Starbucks cup before you walked in here this morning. I didn't have a Starbucks cup. Look at this. I'm drinking Red Bull. <laughs> I can't go to Starbucks. My three year old calls it the bad place. The bad place. You got a bad. I got a bad. She does. She's like she her. So my my wife is white. My three year old's mixed. And she, her grandmother, who my wife's uh, mom, got super mad at her for calling it the bad place. Really? Yeah. We had, a, we had a discussion at the dinner table with my white mother-in-law, my mixed kid, my black mom, me and my wife about Starbucks being the bad place. How does she know? What did she see? She's she's, she's smart. We talk okay. about this stuff all the time in our house. So it's not, we don't realize how much we're talking about it, but she just picked up on it. So we passed the Starbucks. She goes, that's the bad place. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No more coffee for her. No, Yeah, no more coffee for her. Yeah. <laughs> how, she, how, how does she deal with, you know, dad being black and mom being white and seeing... The, the I guess injustice of and happening. Dad being black. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know if you know, but you black. <laughs> yeah, I'm black. I'm real black. Yeah. I got an afro. Yeah, I'm tall. I'm 260. I'm real. I, yeah. If I get killed, I'm a gentle giant. I know how it works. <laughs> he was a gentle giant. Yeah, I know how it works. Uh, well, because I have a seven-year-old too, and she's the one who understands that, like. You know, we talked about the things, you know, I bought a book, because, you know, there's great books out there for kids, so I bought a book about Harriet Tubman and read it to her, and we talk, and it says black people used to be slaves, they could be sold like sacks of potatoes, and so she, they understand that that happened, and at the end of the day, they go, that doesn't make sense, which is the same thing we all feel about that right. stuff, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's the weirdest thing in the world, because my daughter's nine, and she has so many questions mm -hmm. now, and it's like... You really can't explain racism. No, you can't. Right. Which is one that you got to experience. Like you yeah. can't explain. I don't want her to experience it. And she's and she will. It. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, you know, and and plus, my daughter, my seven year old, is clearly mixed. My three and a half year old, for white people, is going to pass. She's going to be able to get the state secrets. Mm -hmm. So it's like they're going to be living separate lives. And I have a third daughter on the way. So we'll see what Congrats. happens there. Yeah, thank you. Didn't you get kicked out of a coffee shop yourself before? Thanks for bringing that up. Yes, I did. Yeah, no, I got <laughs> it in Berkeley, California. I got kicked out Maybe of the Starbucks. No, 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 no. It was an independent kicking out of a coffee shop. It they was, thought you were trying to sell something to your wife? Yeah, they I thought. Uh, I mean, the story is so ridiculous. <laughs> it, like, it doesn't. You, if it was a screenplay, you'd be like, oh, take that part this out. This black guy just came in and. Yeah, started to talking to this white lady and this baby that looked like him. I remember that in your book. Well, yeah, yeah. So, uh, it, the story, if it was a screenplay, you'd pull something out because it doesn't make sense. So, it was my birthday. We had eaten at that coffee shop earlier that day. I went back to meet my wife with our baby and her, all her friends who were white women with babies because it was a mom's group. And oh, that's my goodness. Who. And I went and I had bought at the bookstore right next to this place called the Elma Cafe. I bought a book about the loving couple who was the couple who struck down the interracial marriage law. It's a children's book. So I buy this book about interracial marriage is legal and it's good and it's okay. I go to the coffee shop, show it to one of my wife's friends, and somebody knocks on the window and says, get out of here. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, like it was 1950s Alabama. Yeah, yeah. And what so, were you wearing? <laughs> what was that word? <laughs> Admittedly, I was wearing a hoodie, Charlemagne. So, you know, it's kind of on me. It's kind of on me. I'm sorry. It was an Oaklandish hoodie, so it was an expensive hoodie, but it was a hoodie. And did you walk? Did you leave? I mean, we left, but in like a, not in like a running way, like in a, you know, this is racist, fuck you, this is bold. My wife, to her credit, we were getting in the car with the baby. She's like, no, I got to go back. And she went back and read the woman for filth on the sidewalk the way the way my mom would have liked her to. White so, privilege, as you yeah, should. Yeah, she, she used her white skin privilege. I mean, yeah. that's I think that's why the cops weren't called is because my white wife was like, I'm with this Negro. I represent him, you know, yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. I probably, just, yeah. You know, so. And, and I'm not saying everybody should marry a white woman. I know that's not a popular thing to say. Uh, but I am saying that in my case, she was able to stand up right there and and rep and sort of like make people back down. Does that happen a lot? 
Which what? She stands up for me? No, no. <laughs> I take her everywhere. I take her everywhere. You use her white privilege like Starbucks Wi-Fi. Well, no, she uses my male privilege, and I use her white privilege. We hey, go back and forth. Even trade. Tra- not trading privileges. Look at you odd still to this day, like you know, because we see interracial couples, but I, I guess it still bothers people. I mean, it, you know, we we have sort of blocked it out, but yeah, there are times when things will happen, and my wife will be like, "Is that good?" Yeah, you know, like it just it because we're in the Bay Area, but as we learned in Berkeley, racism all over this country. Right. You know, yeah. it probably happens more in the Bay Area than it does in like Alabama. Because in Alabama, they're real used to us mixing it up down there, you know? So, yeah. Now I, I mean, see why you're drinking Red Bull, though. Yes, right. What is you, that? You hate coffee. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> coffee, coffee hasn't been good to me in the last five years or three years. Yeah, yeah. Now, do you get flack from your own people for reaching yep. across enemy lines? You didn't even let me finish it. <laughs> <laughs> do you get flack from your own people? Yes, I do, Charlemagne. Thanks for asking. Yeah. Well, what is the two-part question? Yeah, okay, good, good, good. Do you get flack from your own people? I, get, I mean, you know, I did the episode with the Ku Klux Klan. Black people were like, even you tweeted, like, what is this? Negro doing, you know, like, because why are you talking to the Klan? We already know the Klan exists. Uh, I get flack from people when I talk to Richard Spencer, the first episode of last season. Why is he talking to this guy? Why isn't he punching him in the face? Mm-hmm. So, but then I also get in the same Twitter feed, I get people going, "Oh, white people! I didn't know the Klan existed. Oh my God! I can't believe we're st- who are sort of like waking up to the idea that that kind of racism still exists." I get, I get people going, "Oh my God! I didn't know that Rich- who this Richard Spencer guy was. I can't believe that." So. I do get flack. I accept the flack. It's part of the job. But mm-hmm. also, I think that there are there are sometimes more people on the side going, I didn't know this existed, than the people who are like, why would you do this? But also, that's why I do episodes like Chicago. We did an episode about gang violence in Chicago, which that's is the great. one we won the Emmy for. Mm-hmm. Uh, this season, it's our blackest season ever because we have three black episodes out of eight. So it's the 37 episodes of black. We have an episode about uh, historically black colleges and universities. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have an episode about the uh, the Gullah Geechee of South Gullah Carolina. That's right. That. That's right. Uh, so then, uh, and then we do one in Mobile, Alabama where my dad is featured in the episode talking about living in the South. But let's so. talk about the HBCU now. What, what, what is that episode about and, and how important I mean, I'm going to get a lot of flack over this one too because I didn't feature all the HBCUs. Uh-oh. I didn't go to all 100 of them. I went to Morehouse. I went to Spelman, Morris Brown in Atlanta, and talked to a student from uh, Howard. And then we also did one. We did uh, Lincoln University Ooh, in Pennsylvania. Envy, mad you just didn't feel like traveling. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we just don't have a budget. We don't have that oh. Anthony Bourdain budget, so we have to sort of figure out how to do it. And we only get four or five days for each shoot, so we have to pack it in. school, but we let you live. We I see. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm already. I see the Hampton behind. Anyway, yeah, yeah, wrapping it, trying to wrap it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. thanks for coming by. Thanks for coming by. Now, yeah. now, let's talk about HBCUs. And what did you What did you discover? What did you see? Well, I did not go to an HBCU. I went to uh, the same university that Trump graduated from, University of Pennsylvania. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's yeah. different. I was one of those Negroes. So you're not like a supporter. you like, well, she didn't finish, though. No, uh, neither did I, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so we okay. have that in common. That's, that's all we have in common. But the mm-hmm. big thing is, like, people, I always heard people go, why do we still have HBCUs? Why, you know, why are they still relevant? And we talk a lot about the relevance of HBCUs. And we also learned, I also learned a lot that a lot of black people go to HBCUs, go there because they went to predominantly white schools in high school right. and need to sort of reconnect with their blackness. Absolutely. That's why Envy might want to send his daughter to him. Yeah, right? that's why I want, I want to send yeah. my daughter. I was going to ask, would you send your daughter to HBCU? I, I mean, I'm going to, after going to Spelman, I'm going to f- make sure they go visit Spelman because Spelman was the most impressive of all of them. Really? Spelman feels like a black woman think tank. It doesn't feel like a college. It well, feels you like... Hampton, you know, <laughs> you're right. You're, see, I know my black Twitter's going to be like all over that night. I got it. I'm ready. Yeah. No, that's good. I think that's. I think it's dope. But I think you're right. I think a lot of students go to Catholic schools or private schools as high schools because their parents want to take them out the hood. Yeah. And then they kind of miss that and want to mm-hmm. go back there. Because I, I want my daughter to go to an HBCU. Hopefully she does because I think she misses that now. You yeah. Know what I mean? What if she wants to go to Howard? She goes whatever HBCU wants to. She wants to. Okay. But if she go to Howard, she got paid for herself. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's what's important about the episode is that we, a lot of the themes of the season is that black is not a monolith. The point of going to HBCU is a lot of the black people go to the schools are saying like, 
I found so much diversity here. Black right. people are not all one thing. And right. so there's black people who are listening to hip hop. There's black people listening to Rage Against the Machine. There's black people doing all across the spectrum of blackness. And you can reconnect. You can find your people at HBCU. If I had known that when I went to college, I probably would have applied to an HBCU. All right, we have more with W. Kamal Bell, comedian. When we come back, don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We have W. Kamau Bell in the building. Charlemagne? Do you think it's possible to be Kanye West, support Trump, and for us to be like, okay, yeah, I guess we cool with that? And, and I mean, this is, I feel like well, this is going to put so much pressure on the album. The music has to be so good. Like it's like I feel like it's got to be like classic Kanye to the nth degree for this to be okay. What if it's, he has a song called um, "Love Trump," but it's a banging song? That's what, but it would. I mean, but you're talking the most banging fire song in the history of hip hop. With like, I mean, Tupac's on. Oh, where did the Tupac verse come from? Like, it, that, oh, it just man. puts so much pressure on the music because now every because there's all this side eye now. You know, this I, is the greatest social experiment I think I've seen in a long time. Yeah. And I, I'm not saying I don't know if it's a social experiment or not, but it feels like a social experiment. I mean, I think Kanye is a social experiment. 100%. I think he, I think he, like you said, he lives his life that way. He's trying to provoke, but I think we live in dangerous times where. Yes. I'm not saying black people can't be Republicans. My dad worked in the Republican administration of Alabama. I know black, we all know black Republicans. Black people shouldn't support racists. Yeah, Trump is a racist. That's why I brought the shirt. Yes, he's a racist. You know what I mean? So like he, that supporting Trump is supporting a legacy of racism and a current practice of racism. So you can say, I think there's all these Republicans like uh, Tara Setmeyer who's on CNN is a reasonable black Republican. There's, we can talk about financial stuff. We can talk Mm -hmm. about the military, but Trump's, Trump's not a Republican. No, no. You, you think sometimes people get so removed from the average everyday person problems that they just really are disconnected. Once you marry Kardashian, you are so far away right. from the streets of Chicago. Even if you go visit the streets of Chicago as Kanye, you're surrounded by people, right? He's not going there by himself. Right. You know, he's not. So it's there's a challenge of being a rich black person mm-hmm. that even if you came from the hood or you came from 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 poverty. It's hard to reconnect once you get, once you become a rich black person. I think it's a, it, and we see it time and time again that once black people get rich, they start to get caught. Well, we lift ourselves up. I lifted myself up by my bootstraps. Why can't you do the same? Mm-hmm. So I think it's a real, you know, and I think about that as I start, I'm not a rich black person, but I'm certainly a black person who is doing well. And so I'm always reminding myself and trying to connect with people to, to, so I don't go, I don't know why everybody doesn't have a house with a cul-de-sac. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, this is, I'm benefiting <laughs> from what I've, the work I've put in, but I still got to connect with the community and still got to connect with the activists who will call me out. That's why I don't mind getting called on on Twitter, because who will call me out when I go, that was too much. Well, just to play white devil's advocate. <laughs> uh, when you, you know, people would talk about that, pull them up by the bootstraps mentality. I don't look at it as that. I look at it as the outcast and goodie mob mentality. When they said, you need to get up, get out, and get something. Don't let the days of your life pass by. You need to get Get up, get out, and get something, because you and I got to do for you and I. Like, yeah. you do have to put in the work regardless. You do have to put in the work, but everybody who puts in the work doesn't get, doesn't lift themselves up. Everybody doesn't have the same level of opportunities. There's lots of... I don't think, we, I don't we think none of us do, though. No, but I'm think, saying, but I'm saying, we but we can't... We, if somebody, if you lift yourself up by your bootstraps, mm-hmm. and somebody else is putting in work and doesn't get lifted up, it may be because the system they were in at the time did not allow them to lift themselves up. I'm not saying everybody should... I worked hard. I'm not saying you got lucky. You got to put mm-hmm. the hard work in, but we can't act like just putting the hard work in is going to guarantee some level of success. You, the hard work that a black person puts in and the hard work that a white person put in is not on history. You look at statistically, doesn't add up to the same level right. of success. Right. Yeah, absolutely right. But success is subjective, too. Because I think that, you know, we live in a country where success to us means super rich, 
super wealthy celebrity. That's not always success. You might make $50,000 a year. You got a nice little place to stay, a car, your family good, you happy. Yeah, but I think we also, the problem with black success is that it doesn't transfer across generations. Right. You want to make sure you're taking care of the next generation, the next generation, you have things to hand down. But it's new, though. No, it's not. You've been out of segregation, what, 50 years? But I think the problem is is that we're not going to catch up to white people. Never. No, and so, like, the New York Times did a whole thing with, like, all these infographics about, like, if a black person achieves, is born rich... They're not likely to to stay in that level of richness. They're going to fall out of it. They're likely to fall out of it. If a white person is born rich, they're much. This is particularly black men are not. Are if, even if you're born like a like a kid of a rich black person, like Michael Jordan's son. There's. A, I'm not saying they're going to happen, but it's likely that you will fall out of that to a lower level. Not all the way down, and some fall all the way down. White people don't generally fall out of that level that they're born into. Now, what the hell? <laughs> Here we go. Gullah Geechee Mon. Don't you disrespect my don't you don't disrespect my culture, boy. Now, what is that? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Is that West Indian? Is that 843, boy? <laughs> to the daddy of the Jamaican? You, boy. That's right. It's, it's, it's you in your moat, boy. <laughs> <laughs> everything he said. Right. Uh, it's so it's the uh, areas of it's uh, along the coast, a lot of it's South Carolina. It's basically the black people the, from West Africa who were enslaved there. But and they lived on the sea. The Spartan lived on the Sea Islands. Now the thing was is that it was once slavery was ended, white people fled those islands because they were too hard to get to. And once slavery was over, so black people in that part of the country were allowed to, to hold on to a lot of their West African culture, talk that talk like he was just talking about. They have their own <laughs> dialect. Geechee. Geechee, yeah. And so it's a very. And this again, black is on a monolith. There, you think black people sort of speak the same vernacular? Not in that part of the country. Hell no. It's, yeah. it's so interesting. Uh. I did an ancestry test. I did 23andMe, mm. and I found out I was 97% West African. Yo, wow. So I'm sure most people in Charleston are. Yeah, and I, yeah. I just did African ancestry, so I'm waiting to see exactly where in West Africa. Yeah. I'm hoping for Nigeria. <laughs> That's funny. I do. I love wow. Nigeria. <laughs> yeah. I just like Nigeria. But I'm hoping for Suta Lagos, my, my homie DJ Cuppy. But I... It's interesting when I when I heard that I was like wow and then you realize like damn we really are like right there. Mm-hmm. And I, it's funny. I just did the ancestry test and I found out most black people are 25 percent white Amer- uh, European. Uh, I was 27 percent and I was like man I'm literally not black enough. Not me. I got hey, listen. People get I'm devastated like when they find yeah, out yeah, how yeah, white yeah, they yeah, are. Yeah. I'm like two percent. <laughs> yeah. I'm black as. F- I'm so happy. I know, I know. Oh you, it makes you feel like it makes you feel better, doesn't yes. it? Yes. Yeah. And I was like, everybody in high school was right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not black enough. Don't you think that America has an unhealthy obsession with celebrity? Yes. I mean, I think America. We a lot of this this country was founded on Europeans, British principles, and we still want uh, kings and queens. Ooh. So I think we I think we still have this our celebrity our celebrity obsession is, is chased to we want to believe that there's some people who are a higher class of people than us. Yeah. You think that's just an American thing, though? Well, I think we've exported that to the world. I think, right, we, you know, exactly. we export pop culture to the world. You know, we don't we don't import a lot of pop culture. Even the ones who come here from other countries have to then do it through our system, you right. know? So, yeah, I think that we, I think it's an, it's certainly an unhealthy obsession, and I think it's gotten worse because of social media. Like, I don't really need to know. Like, what knowing what Kanye thinks about Trump effect, is going to affect how people uh, approach his music. I was watching Twitter yesterday. He had two million tweets. I'm like... Really? <laughs> like yeah. two million people care about who he says he likes, and that's the problem. I find myself in too. Like I gotta care because too many people care. That, <laughs> boom. Like that's the problem. I find this like I don't want to talk about this. And you, and you do the rounds like this, and you go and I go on a lot of CNN shows, and they ask me questions like I, I actually don't care. <laughs> like, I and actually, that's what I was saying earlier. Yeah. I said I really don't care. Yeah. Like I'm not interested in. What, but we have to. We have to. We're, in media, you have to have yeah, an opinion on talk it. Talk about it, right? Yeah. Even if your opinion is, I don't care. That was my opinion. There you go. Well, I sat, I, I, I sat down and chopped it up with him. So 
I, I know you listen to the album. You get invited to the car. Well, no, we did an interview, so you'll, you'll okay. get to hear more oh, cool. of uh, how he feels. And he flew Charlemagne out. He definitely didn't fly me out. <laughs> <laughs> he, never, he definitely did so, not fly did me you, out. You didn't pay for your own ticket, though. Somebody paid for that ticket. I was already ticket. out there, though. I was out okay. there on business. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. so you, but I said somebody paid for that ticket. There's no way. I would, I'm not flying just to hear no goddamn music. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I was, blame you. I was already out there. Now, you can finally talk about the uh, Chris Rock doc. Yeah, the Chris Rock doc is a special about, it's a hour-long special, an hour-and-a-half-long special on Bring the Pain. It's going to air on A&E. Yeah, he, you're in it. Uh, Chris is in it. Uh, Wanda Sykes is amazing in it. Ava DuVernay is in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, we, we a lot of, it's a lot of great people. And his brother, Tony Rock, is amazing in it. I think I feel like Tony Rock is the hidden star of this thing, and people are going to think, like, why are we seeing him more? Yeah. No, well, I mean, he's was super close to it as well. I mean, yeah, well, that's the thing he talks about. He's got a quote at the end. He's like, "I'm not. I've never been. I was never close to my brother growing up. I'm not close to my brother now. We were never closer than during the making of Bring the Pain. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, it's really. I mean, I think it's actually again, it's not funny all the way through. It's got some emotional stuff to it. It's Chris talking about his career when he was not doing anything, and Tony's very honest about he was not funny. You know, like Chris is like, <laughs> I was okay. <laughs> Tony's like, he was he was just an average black comedian not doing well. We have, oh, 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 I can't believe I forgot. Oprah's in it. We got Oprah. How you forget Oprah? Oprah? We got Oprah. Well, we have Oprah right here. <laughs> Kanye said I'm the new Oprah, which, yeah. you know, which lets you know he's suffering from mental illness <laughs> of some sort. Yeah, yeah. So we got, oh, I mean, we got we got a 25-minute interview with Oprah, and so she's throughout it, too. I mean, yeah, so we didn't get Chappelle, but we got Oprah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we thank What's you for joining us. the new season of United Shades of America? Oh, April, this, April 29th. This Sunday, April 29th mm-hmm. at 10, 15 p.m. after Anthony Bourdain, only on CNN. And what's the first episode? The first episode is the U.S.-Mexico border. That was a great drop you just did. Thank you. I've been, <laughs> I've been, I've been doing that a little bit. Yeah, thank you. What, you going to help some Mexicans start building the wall down there? <laughs> yeah, it's all, about, it's all about me going, you know, this wall's a good idea. I think gotcha. we need to do this. Yeah, yeah, Cool. Yeah. I, and I just want to say, I guarantee this will not be your highest viewed episode. I just want to be clear about that. I want to put out that guarantee that this will not be your highest viewed episode on the Internet. You walk out. Boom, boom, boom. All right. <laughs> more, more boom. Like, boom, boom. Okay. It's Kamal Bell, W. Kamal Bell. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Hey, everybody. It's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Let's get to the rumors. Let's talk Janelle Monet. Listen up. It's just in. All the gossip. Gossip. The rumor report. Gossip. With Angela, Angela Yee. It's The Rumor Report. The Breakfast Club. Well, first of all, Janelle Monae's album is in stores today, so make sure you stream that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. In stores online, you know, I guess we don't really say in stores as much, but Dirty Computer's out as well as her emotion picture. So check all of that out. They still sell music in stores? I'm dead serious. They do. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, they do. But I think that's not how people consume their music as much anymore, obviously. Definitely not. I love screaming. Thank God for it. And some people don't even bother putting it in stores. Some people do digital-only releases. Right. just depends. All right, but she has opened up on the cover of Rolling Stone. They did a story on her, and she discusses her sexuality. Now, she said she's still learning about her sexuality. She said, but then later I read about pansexuality, and I was like, oh, these are things that I identify with, too. I'm open to learning more about myself. She said, I just live my life and people can feel free to discuss whatever it is they think and use whatever adjectives they feel. I definitely Googled that last night because I have what no is idea what pansexuality right. is. Right, and she says she wants young girls, young boys, non-binary, gay, straight, queer people who are having a hard time dealing with their sexuality, dealing with feeling ostracized or bullied for just being their unique selves to know that I see you. This album is for you. Be proud. What is pansexuality? I mean, I know what it is, but for the people who don't know, what is pansexuality? Uh, pansexuality is like uh, just basically loving anything, everyone, everyone, just everyone, yeah. whether you're a uh, woman, man, trans, you know, she just loves Why so- they just don't call that stir fry? You just put everything in the pan. You just 
Nothing? Okay. No. No. So there's no limitations to your sexual choice with biological sex, with gender or gender identity. That's the definition. I think you should call it stir fry. That's fire. No. We'll do it. We'll call it pansexuality. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, J. Cole did a Twitter Q&A, and he answered some questions. I'll give you some of the highlights uh, that Vibe magazine put up. Uh, his favorite track on the album is Window Pane, he said. And then Mine brackets, too, actually. And then The Cutoff. Uh, he also talked about the hardest song to finish. He said it was 1985 and ATM, Addicted to Money. He said just to get the drums perfect was stressful. He said the first version of the album was done in two weeks. The final version that got released took six months total. Now, um, let me see one more thing. Oh, if he produced anything on the album, he said he produced everything except for Kevin's heart. I am uh, I, I, I stand by the fact that J. Cole makes TED Talk music. And this album is very good. Album is as, good. Long, as long as you listen to it before 6 a.m. I listen to it when I'm riding to work at 5 a.m. in the morning. It sounds amazing at that time. My goodness. All right. Now, um, they asked him if you could collab with anyone dead or alive. Who would it be? And he said, Pac, no question. And then he said, an Andre 3000. Damn, so that means we ain't never getting that Kendrick Lamar album, huh? <laughs> that ain't happening. Well, I think it will. You didn't put him on the list. <laughs> I think it will. Dead or alive. Last well, maybe time he's, already, he's already collabed with him, though, right? Oh, you're right. Yeah, so that doesn't count. Um, now, Khalees, she went on Hollywood Unlocked and talked about her relationship with Nas and detailed how violent it was. Uh, according to Khalees, she was saying they got married at such a young age. She met him when she was only 22 years old. And she said there were really intense highs and really intense lows. And she said his infidelity isn't what really caused her to leave. It wasn't the straw that broke the camel's back. It was also because not only was he cheating, but he also was fighting with her and she was fighting back. Check it out. Did he hit me? Mm-hmm. Did I hit him back? Mm-hmm. It was because there, he would black out. He would drink too much. He drank way too much. Mm-hmm. He will never admit it. And so a lot of the stuff he may not remember. You know, there have been times when, like, literally we would have the worst night ever, like, and we would wake up the next day. It's like it never happened. Was he ever remorseful? He bought gifts. Ah, man, oh, man. Between Khalees' allegations and Yay in that MAGA hat. Y'all really going to be morally conflicted when that Nas album produced by Kanye drops. All right. In addition to that, she talked about how seeing, um, why she didn't say anything about what happened with her and Nas. Something reminded me of Rihanna. The only way I can describe it was like double dips. Like I felt like, do I jump in? Like, do I say it? Because I had bruises all over my body at that time. Mm. Seeing her, the way she looked, and then looking at myself, I was embarrassed. For me, it was kind of like, you're going to just let this go? You're not going to say anything? We were married. We weren't dating. I didn't say anything because I wanted things to work and because I was delusional and because I thought that like I could like love past this. I don't know what's true and what's not true. I just want to know what y'all going to do when that Nas album produced by Kanye West drops. What y'all going to do? Right. It'll be interesting to uh, see how Nas responds to what Khalees has to say. That's true, but y'all want to avoid that question. What y'all going to do in that Nas and Kanye? I mean, I don't I mean, know. We don't know what we yeah, don't know. Yeah, I don't know what. Khalees has told her story, okay. so. So when the yeah. Nas album Kanye, produced by Kanye drops, y'all all in? I don't know. We can't answer that yet. Are I'm you listen- all in? I'm listening. I'm sorry. I'm definitely listening. All right, I'm Angela Yee, and that is your Rumor Report. All right, thank you, Missy. Speaking of Kanye, let's do a Kanye mix, all right? This is pre-sunken place, Kanye. All right, 800-585-1051. Let us know what you want to hear. Might revol- call us to Make America Great Again mix. You know good and nope. well, ain't nobody catching no pre-sunken place mix. This what is. talking about? This is old. This is original Kanye. This is Chi-Town, broke Kanye. Yeah, ain't nobody going to hear that. All they're going to see is that red MAGA hat in their mind. This is prior to all that. Okay. All right. And Revolt will see you.
Monday. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning.